Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You know what time it is. You know where you are. This is Tyler Chef. I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week I'm talking about, I have a question for you. And the question is, why didn't you put an offer in on it? You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's for something I said a lot of times in my life. I still say it to this day. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's healthy to spend a lot of time living in the past. But I do find myself reflecting back on some of the dumb stuff that I've done in the past because reflecting on it helps me stay focused on the future. It helps me stay motivated on not repeating history, not doing the same dumb things that I've done in the past over and over and over again, right? So sometimes it's worth taking a step back, taking a look at the decisions you've made before and seeing how maybe looking at it from a different light, coming at it from a different angle, would make a difference in the world for you. I'm going to tell you a little story here. And the story goes back to when I first got out of the army. And back then I was a whole different person. You know, when I went into the army, I was one of those guys that thought I could get away with everything. I thought that my charm would get me places and the drill sergeants educated me otherwise. And um, back in 1992 is when I got out of the army. I did my five years in the army. And in 1992, I settled back here in Florida. And the reason why I settled in Florida out of the gate was well, there was more jobs here and I was too lazy to go to college. So I knew that if I went back to up, upstate New York, where I'm from in Buffalo, that right there you have to have a college degree to pump gas. Uh, and there they call the guys that pump gas, the petroleum input technicians. But from, you know, coming from Buffalo, the Hamburg, New York area, coming to Florida, I was in paradise, you know, the bikinis, the girls on the beach, all that good stuff. I wanted to take part in that. So my mom lived here. My dad lived up in New York. I moved here and moved in with my mom for a very short time. And then moved out, but I did, and she used to get on me. Like she was a real estate broker and has been for decades, about 40 years. And she found a little house for me on the water in a little town called Madeira beach, Florida, down the road And the house. Well, it needed a dock. It needed yard work, but I got to tell you the inside was, it was okay. It wasn't, you know, trash didn't have a chalk line or smell like some sort of wet animal. It was livable. It it was very 1960s vintage. You know, it had the odd colored tiles and the, you know, the avocado sinks and things like that. I mean, it's for me being a bachelor. And at the time I was 22 years old, it was totally doable. But some of the things I thought about that went through my mind back then, I started thinking, well, it needs a dock. Well, I don't know how to build a dock and it needs yard work. I certainly don't like working in the heat. I mean, I had just done five years in the army playing in the woods, you know, playing cops and robbers. I was in military police. I'd done my five years of service. I was worn out. I was tired. I, you know, when I was in the army, I had to get up and run miles every day because that's what you do when you're in the army, especially when you're an MP. And even when we didn't do it for PT, I had to chase bad guys around because that's what we did, right? American soldiers come over to, to Germany and come on base and act like fools. And then we have to catch them and all that. So at the time I was, because I was a veteran and this still applies today, I was entitled to a VA home loan. And in case you don't know, a VA home loan allows a veteran who's been honorably discharged from the military get a home loan, a mortgage for with no money down. It's a zero down home loan. And the problem, I qual I was entitled to that benefit. The problem was I did not qualify for the home loan at the time because I had been an idiot when I was in the military. And I was one of those guys that realized I could finance just about anything when I was in the military. So back then I had a whole different mindset about money and I spent money like water. So because they would finance me for everything, I bought damn near everything I get my hands on. 
got myself in a lot of debt, wound up having credit issues back then. So it took me many years to fix that and become a normal, ordinary citizen and, and have decent credit. And then now these days, I got great credit after I've finally pulled my head out of my you-know-what and realized that paying the bills is kind of important in society. But back then, I didn't qualify for a mortgage, okay? So when the thought of buying a house came up, I kind of looked at my mom like she had lost her mind. Like, what do you mean? I, there's no way I'm going to qualify for a house. I don't even pay my any of my bills. And even though I was in the Army, the only bills I had were for doodads, for garbage, you know, stereos and, and cars. I bought a Mustang GT at 19 years old. What the hell was I thinking? But anyway, I didn't, you know, VA home loan, I didn't even want to bother applying for it. You know, I passed on that opportunity altogether because I figured the bank would just simply tell me no. And I was probably right. Now, granted, looking back, I don't even recall trying because I didn't want to go through the negative experience of being turned down. I knew that there was a pretty darn good chance they would turn me down. I didn't want to go through hearing no because Let's be honest, guys. No is a painful thing, right? Nobody wants to, nobody like gets excited about, hey, I'm going to go out and fail today. Although you should because it's very healthy and you will get a lot farther in life if you can get past that and get good at failing. Trust me when I tell you this. But I didn't do anything because I feared being rejected. I just thought, you know, the bank's going to say no. That was the first part of it. The second part of it was it never really occurred to me to simply ask the seller if they were willing to take payments for their equity. Back then, I didn't think seller financing was even a thing. And what's ironic is that it wasn't too many years before that. Remember, this is going back to 1992. In the 80s, my mom was selling real estate. And back in the 80s, at one point, the interest rates were as high as 18 to 20%. That was the everyday norm. That was the going rate for interest that if you went to go get a home loan back in the early 80s was in the high teens. So you could imagine in the 80s, trying to qualify for a home mortgage when your interest rate is 18%. That's like going out and buying a house on credit cards. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, how silly that is and how risky that is with the whole business credit thing. Well, back in the day when interest rate was that high, that was just the status quo. So remembering my mom talking about that, not completely understanding what it meant, I just figured there's just no way. I just assumed the seller would never do that for me. And frankly, again, I didn't, I just assumed the seller probably want to pull my credit. And I certainly didn't want them to see that back at the time. So I tried to avoid that at all costs. Again, I was avoiding anything that could be remotely construed as failure or negative. I didn't want to hear about it. You know, in the army, they're always yelling at you and carrying on all this good stuff's going on. And you just get sick of, they're not spending a lot of time boosting you up. They're spending a lot of time kicking you in the short pants. So with me, I did I avoided situations where I might get rejected because what fun was that? So I'm going to talk about numbers for a second here. I had the opportunity to buy this house. And let me back up a second. This thing, remember, let's remember this this house is on the water. So it's not oceanfront, but it's it's waterfront, saltwater oceanfront. It's on the intercoastal waterway. It's about a couple, maybe two, three miles by canal or by waterway from the Gulf of Mexico. So in a boat. In 15, 20 minutes, I could be out in the Gulf of Mexico, direct shot, sailboat, deep water slip, gorgeous uh, east-west frontage so I could watch the sunset, watch the sunrise. Did, I mean, had everything going for it. And back then, I could have bought that house in 1992 for $75,000. That was the asking price. So for me, that would have meant a mortgage payment of somewhere around five fifty dollars a month after factoring in the taxes and insurance, right? Not a lot of money for a mortgage payment. Not a lot of money to live on the ocean. But again, I kept saying no, 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 no. 
Well, I later learned that somebody else bought that home actually for less money than what the guy was asking. He bought it for 65000 with no money down. Okay, The buyer put none of his own cash in the deal. Well, that was great because at the time I didn't have any cash to begin with. So that would have worked out just ducky. The only cash I had was what they gave me at separation. I had a couple thousand dollars to my name. I could have got that deal with nothing down had I just simply asked the questions. Turns out the seller really needed to sell the house. The realtors at the time had never bothered to even ask the listing agent. So the property initially didn't sell. The seller went for sale by owner. Somebody walked up one day, saw the sign, had a conversation, said, hey, can I make payments? Next thing you know, the guy's got the house. No money down. $65,000. And I looked it up in public records several years ago, and I found out that they got 20-year terms at 5% interest. For me, that would have meant about $100 less in a monthly payment than what I had originally figured. So I'm going to recoup here. I could have been paying a mortgage payment of $450 a month. $450 a month to essentially live on the ocean, waterfront house. $450 a month on a house that was move-in ready, needed some updating, but it was absolutely move-in ready. Okay. So remember those numbers for a second, sixty-five dollars or $75,000 purchase price. Um, I passed on it because at the time I thought, you know, it's too much hassle to own a house. It's too much responsibility. I never even thought about asking the seller if they would consider taking payments because after all, I wouldn't take payments if I was him. So why in the hell would I ask him to do something that I myself wasn't willing to do? Boy, was I wrong because not only did the house sell on payments, not only did the house sell with no money down, it sold for $10,000 less simply because somebody had the courage to ask the question. So fast forward to last year, that same house sold for $750,000. So in case you're doing quick math, that's a thousand percent ROI. And keep in mind, that's 1992 to 2019, right? All those years, it went from 75000 or 65000 depending on, on which way we look at it, all the way up to $750,000. And yes, they've updated it over the years. It's been many years. I'd say they probably put maybe $100,000 into the house, maybe sixty, seventy thousand. Who knows? New bathrooms, you know, floor coverings, that type of thing, probably a roof. I'm sure they've redone the dock, and I know they've landscaped it. It looks nice. It looks sharp. But even if they spent $100,000, that's one hell of an upside, is it not? So looking back on this, I did not bother putting out an offer on that house because I simply did not believe that at number one, I was responsible enough to own such an asset. Okay. I was in essence afraid of the responsibility of success. So instead I rented an apartment across town and be honest with you, that apartment cost me about the same as that mortgage payment would have been. So I rented some dingy crappy apartment with a pool that was so disgusting. I wouldn't slim it, swim in it in a neighborhood that it wasn't sketchy, but it's, let's just call it the redneck Riviera. It's like I had, I was the only one in the whole neighborhood that had all my teeth and had graduated high school, albeit late. But realistically, it was the redneck Riviera. It's a little town. For those of you in the Tampa Bay area, it's called Pinellas Park, Lailman area. I moved from the beach to there. Can you imagine that? Okay. For many years after that, I squandered my money. And I failed to get my act together. Back in 2004, when I started flipping houses, I started actually in 2000, but in 2004 is really when I started pulling my head on my, my backside. I, the next several years for me brought a ton of cash, right? From the profits of flipping houses. But then the IRS caught up with me. 
Now that's my fault because I was irresponsible and I didn't file my taxes for many years. And guess what? The title companies recorded all the sales and all the properties that I sold. And I got whacked with a huge tax bill. It took me several years to pay off. Now I've been way past that. It's been many, many years since then. But I used to think I was jinxed. Every time I got ahead on something, something else snuck up and kicked me in the seat of the pants. Looking back on it, I realized that all that drama and much of that hard work could have been avoided if I had simply made an offer on that very first house. Now, that first house would have set me up real nicely. Even if it hadn't been such a great deal right out of the gate, let's say that I would have paid, I don't know, 100000 for that house. It still would have set me up pretty. And yes, I realize that that's not generating a stream of income. That's running, generating a pile of income. So let's go back to the math for a second. Remember we talked about if, if I would have bought it for the same price the other person did, my debt service, my monthly investment would have been $450 a month. That same house rents for $2,650 a month now. So had I kept the same financing in place, I would have had about $2,200 a month in passive income from one single family house. And the situation was, the reason why the deal wound up being so sweet is because the seller was motivated. The agent that he originally talked to did not do a good job of gauging their motivation. They initially set the price too high, even though the seller said otherwise. And the seller saying, well, you guys obviously an expert, took the other person's advice. Had I went and just simply had a conversation with the seller and been honest about my situation, I could have gotten the same, very same deal, maybe even a better deal. Even if it was a worse deal, it wouldn't matter. But the bottom line is it all would have started with a conversation. Okay. It took me many, many years and up until recent, up until probably the last five or 10 years that the whole time. Failing wasn't what I was worried about. I'd done plenty of that. Trust me. Looking like an idiot wouldn't, wasn't what holding me back. It wasn't the lack of credit. It wasn't the lack of money. Really what was holding me back was my fear of the responsibility that comes with being successful. Think about that for a minute. Why do celebrities exist? You know, those knuckleheads that are in, in Hollywood that people actually take advice from, which makes me shake my head. It's like, what have you accomplished besides being good at acting? Oh, if you're good at acting, you should be a politician. Ah, I digress. But think about that for a second. Think about celebrities and, and they're popular and we think that things are all hunky-dory and then they have problems down the road and they become drunks or alcoholics or they get divorced or whatever it may be. Think about how these things turn out. We have a certain perception of these people that things are a certain way. But the difference really between them and us is they want, they're okay with the responsibility of success in a lot of cases until they actually have it. And next thing you know, they turn to alcohol or drugs because it's a lot of burden. It's a lot of stress to be successful. Now that I've achieved a place where I consider myself successful, I've got a, a podcast here. It's doing quite well. Jill and I are doing great financially. We're able to retire early. We travel the country. That's all fine and dandy but it does come with a ton of responsibility, a massive amount of responsibility. It, that responsibility, for example, is what keeps me from taking those, I'll call them bribes from those companies that give you business credit cards. I basically passed up an opportunity to make between 40 and $50,000 a month. That's every month, guys. 40 to 50 grand a month would have been easily achievable with, this, with my stats and the size of listener base and whatnot that I have for the show. 
I could have easily made forty dollars to $50,000 a month. But I'm not willing to take responsibility for leading people down a path because there's a lot of responsibility in things. But let me ask you this. What's keeping you from running an offer on that property that you've always wanted to own? Is it that fear of responsibility of success? I feel it because I've, this has held me back for many, many years. I think I'm over it now, but it still sneaks back and rears its ugly head every once, every once in a while. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you if, you, if you've experienced that fear of success or fear of the responsibility of success, get on the phone with me. If that's bothering you, let's talk through it. How do you do that? You go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. If we've never talked on the phone before, let's have a conversation. Let's see if we can get you through that. If not, go out there and write an offer. Make an offer on a property you've always wanted. Go have a conversation with the seller and see what you can work out. Understand this, ladies and gentlemen. The very worst thing that could happen is they could simply say no. And if they said no, what does that mean? Will you die? Will you be banished? Will you be forced to run naked across the 50-yard line at Super Bowl? Will you be publicly called out and humiliated? No, none of that will happen. But what could happen is you could get a great deal under contract with terms that the deal could afford. You could have passive income. You could learn how to raise private money. You could negotiate seller financing. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is your oyster, but it all begins with you taking that first step, with looking at that fear and bitch slapping that thing just like you would a subscribe button on my YouTube channel. Have a great This week. concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.